Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about why your child's anxiety or OCD therapy is not enough. A lot of times we think if we just get them to the right professional, then we're good to go. And I want to talk to you about our role as a parent, regardless of whether we want that role or not, which I know can kind of suck (laughs) because you're like, I don't want a role, Natasha. I didn't sign up for this and I get it. Oh my gosh, do I get it? But we are in a position where there are certain things that only we can do. And I'm not going to just talk about your role as far as your involvement with your child, but how this impacts your life and why therapy is just one piece of the puzzle. So you might be doing more than you need to be doing, but there's things that you may not even be thinking about that are important. If you haven't found an anxiety or OCD therapist, an anxiety therapist is not as, not that hard to find, I would have to say. I mean, finding a child therapist in general can be tricky depending on where you live, but if I'm a child therapist, I'm going to know how to treat anxiety. And so it's just finding that child therapist, which can be tricky, but not that rare, right? Depending on where you live. But then when we get into the OCD world, now we're getting into tricky category, tricky category, because finding an OCD therapist in general is like finding a needle in a haystack. You have to have specialized training. You have to know what you're talking about. You have to be trained in exposure response prevention. And most graduate programs do not teach that. And we're going to go into that as well today, as far as how do you spot a good anxiety or OCD therapist for children? Because that's why therapy is not enough. Because first you have to start with what you're looking for, but I'm getting ahead of myself. So for OCD therapy, you definitely want to be able to find a well-trained therapist. And that can be hard. You can go to the International OCD Foundation at iocdf.org slash find dash help. And you'll find the provider directory. A lot of times people would say, you know, I went on there and I didn't find any help. I didn't find anyone who specializes in children, which does make a big difference because I want someone who's kid friendly, who knows how to talk to kids, knows how to motivate kids. That can be different. And so I am thrilled that NoCD came on the scene and started this really this global mission to find and train and supervise OCD therapists, not just for adults, but even for kids and teens. So um, they are sponsoring my episode, which I really appreciate. And I love supporting them because that was a huge barrier for treatment, even in my family, to find a provider that is well-trained in OCD. So they are now providing online OCD therapy, not only for adults, but for children and teens throughout the, the United States, every state, and now even into the UK and Australia. So The cool thing is you can talk to them for 15 minutes for free, have a consultation and see if they're a right fit. You can even just have an assessment to see if your child has OCD. So I like that. The link is in my show notes to NoCD, or you can just go to treatmyocd.com and um, get your 15 minute consultation scheduled. Okay. So I want to talk about what we're supposed to do as parents who are raising kids with anxiety and OCD or OCD. So the first thing, like I already just said is what's a good therapist. Now, luckily I've got you covered because I've done episodes on this, how to find a good therapist. Okay. Well, I do have a YouTube video to help kids see the benefit of therapy. 
you can search that. If you go to my website at atparentingsurvival.com, I have a search button at the very bottom. And so if you type in the search results, find a good therapist, you'll find my YouTube video. It is kind of hard to find on YouTube. Like you can search my channel, but it can be a little tricky. And I do have a YouTube video. It is episode 89, but that doesn't mean anything on YouTube on helping kids see the benefit of child therapy. So if that's a hard thing, you know, to motivate your child, that might be a good YouTube video for them to watch. I do have um, a podcast episode, episode 46 called signs of a good versus bad child OCD and anxiety therapist. So there you go. That's a really good one. I also have an article called how to find a good therapist. That one's older. And so I would just go, you know, I would just go to episode 46 on my podcast. I also have episode 66, what to do when your child's therapy isn't progressing because maybe you're missing something. So that's the first thing I want to talk about is we can't just throw our trust. I wish we could. I really wish we could, but we can't just throw our trust into a mental health professional without knowing what to look for. I'm sorry, but you can't, it's like McDonald's, you know, there's one on every corner and well, I mean, I think McDonald's all kind of taste the same, but you know, let's just pretend they don't, they're all different, <laughs> you know? So some therapists are good. Some therapists are bad. Okay. So that's the first step. Then what's your role in therapy? And you get to define that a little bit. Don't be afraid of defining that with a therapist and being an advocate for you and your family. The more, you know, the more you're going to feel comfortable advocating and saying, I need to know my role in this because as a parent, and if your child is not in therapy, let me just step back for a second. Regardless of whether your child's in therapy or not, we have to do all these things. But if your child's not in therapy, we have to do this like on steroids. Like we have to like supersize this. We have to do this in a much more involved sort of way. So as a parent, I'm going to want to know, how am I supposed to respond in the moment to my child? So if it's anxiety, how am I supposed to respond to their panic attacks? How am I supposed to respond to their desire to avoid whatever they're afraid of? What am I supposed to do? If it's OCD, it's even bigger. What am I supposed to do when I'm part of their compulsion? How am I supposed to spot that? How am I supposed to know when I'm in the OCD loop? How am I supposed to know when they're asking for reassurance, when it's actually OCD asking and not my child? How do I know when it is OCD and it's not typical behavior? So you're going to need to know all those things, right? And that's your response, your involvement. So those are like the two main things that are obvious, right? What do I do? What's my role in this? And you're a coach. You are not necessarily the therapist, right? If you have a child who's in therapy, but you're the coach. And so just like our child might go to music lessons once a week, but they're going to practice all week long, right? And you're involved in that separate from music lessons. I'm really failing on my analogies today. I can sense this, but you're involved in that because anxiety and OCD will involve you. I always say it's a family affair. It does not exclude the parents. If you're living under one roof, pretty much regardless of your child's age, they will involve you in some way because that's what, that's what anxiety and OCD can do. And even I'm thinking about my kids and even though their anxiety and OCD doesn't involve me as far as I'm not part of their compulsion. They don't seek reassurance from me or I'm not part of their OCD loop. That's not their themes, which by the way, total tangent, but let me just say this. I know last week I advertised, I didn't advertise, but I talked about it on this podcast that I was going to be doing themes this week and why, why it's important for us to know our child's anxiety and OCD themes. And I bumped it to the following week. So I didn't forget. I'm not all over the place on this. <laughs> And I will do it next week. I just wanted to do this one this week. So back to what I was talking about. 
So my, my kids don't involve me. I'm not really part of that. And so there's not, there's not a lot of overt daily accommodation per se. However, their OCD issues impact me. And so they do involve me in the sense that my child's sensory motor OCD with constantly needing to pee or empty her bladder, that impacts the entire family because she may not want to drive far distances. She gets nervous when we travel. And so, you know, we have to stop. That would be an accommodation. And so it it impacts us. With my son's eating, it impacts me in the sense of what am I feeding him? Am I on top of it? Am I watching what he's eating? Um, I completely dropped the ball. I guess, understandably so, when my husband died in February, you know, just everything crumbled and uh, he was already probably going on a downward spiral because we had changed medication. And really the only reason why he was doing better was because he was on this medication that was just making him unbelievably hungry. And so he was, he was more hungry than he was fearful. And it like kind of trumped his OCD at that time, but I did not keep my eye on the ball. And so because I didn't, you know, he's dropping weight, all of his compulsions are coming back. And so that's my responsibility, although I didn't want it to be, is to watch that, you know, watching his weight. If you didn't really pay attention, if I didn't really pay attention with his ARFID, fancy name for avoidant restrictive food intake disorder, which is just a catch-all. I'm not a fan of that diagnosis because it's a catch-all for many, many different things that cause restrictive eating, but OCD is one of them. And he, he does look like he's just eating. It looks like, you know, he ate a little bit. He's just a picky kid. He threw it away. You have to really watch to see the OCD. And in fact, I, I was pretty sure I was going crazy. I thought that I was like, you know, like, you know, when you're an OCD therapist, when you're an anxiety and OCD therapist, you kind of feel like, oh my gosh, am I like putting this stuff on my kids? I mean, yeah, it's genetically rampant on both sides, but there was little doubt in my head that it was, you know, especially when you have a child who's like, I'm just not hungry, or it's just a little too chewy. Or it's, and they always have a really good excuse. I started to like kind of doubt myself and I thought maybe I'm creating this in him. But luckily he's 11 now and he's giving me the gift of communication. And thankfully, cause I really don't have a lot of bandwidth to, to help my kids right now, you know, cause even though I have a really good facade and I can compartmentalize, you know, I'm just barely hanging on, you know, my husband just died. It's a lot. And then to have all three of my kids have like all their anxiety and OCD issues, like completely on fire. It's a lot, but luckily I've got the gift of him just talking now. He's just all of a sudden talking and letting me know like, oh, me drinking, you know, water with it is a compulsion and me taking small bites is a compulsion. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I've trained him really well. Like he's able to like, let me know these things. So that was my role. That's my responsibility. The therapist can train them, which I did as a therapist hat, but a parent could totally do that as well. But it's those little nuances of spotting those things early. If he was to talk to an OCD therapist, which I haven't found one because everyone knows me, uh, he's in therapy, but they're focusing on just communication, his anger, his anxiety, which has been incredibly helpful and is why he's able to actually articulate and communicate about his OCD. But if I wasn't watching and being aware, I wouldn't. I wouldn't know that he was having a problem. And he definitely wouldn't tell a therapist. He's pretty shut off. So sometimes your child will only talk to you and you're the frontline defense. And that's good. And that's important because you're there 24 seven. Okay. That was a total bit of a tangent, but you know what I'm saying? 
Um, so the other thing, just to be a little bit more succinct in my list. So we talked about you knowing what therapy and therapy doesn't look like. We talked about your role in therapy and your role in your child's anxiety and OCD. Now I want to go into some other things that you may not have thought about. The reason also why anxiety and OCD therapy is not enough is because you are also the one to spot new themes. Your child may not communicate to the therapist that they're having a new intrusive thought or a new fear or a new theme. They may not even be aware of it. So there's two possibilities. They may be like, hey, I don't want to put a spotlight on another thing. I don't have to do exposures or challenges for. So they haven't caught on that I'm doing this. And let's just keep it that way. So you might have that or, or an and, or you might have a child who doesn't realize that's a new theme. I can't tell you how many kids have come into my practice and I've said, you know, I've educated them about OCD and I'll say, you know, and you asking your parent over and over, if you're a bad person, you know, that's a compulsion. And they'll be like, whoa, wait a minute. That's a compulsion. I do that all the time. Or over wiping, you know, when you over wipe over and over again, that can be a compulsion. Wait, that's a compulsion. I never even thought to bring that up because I thought that was embarrassing and it's something I do, but I didn't think that was related to my OCD. I just kept thinking I might still be wet or, you know, I have to hit my left side if I hit my right side, or I have to only have things be an even number. I didn't know that was OCD. So kids aren't going to know all the themes. I mean, part of what I did in my practice was I really try to educate them on a lot of themes. I really try to educate them that if they have an intrusive thought, feeling, or image that gets stuck in their head and they have to do or avoid something to get that brief relief, that that could be OCD. And so teaching them that generality of, you know, you have this thing that's nagging at you, or you have this feeling that's nagging at you, and then you have to do or avoid something to get that relief, but it doesn't go away long-term. You want to take a double look at that because that could be OCD because OCD could literally be anything, but it's really helpful for parents to know what those themes are themselves. And it's interesting to me because a lot of times parents will have the opposite approach they don't want their kids to read OCD books or anxiety books because they'll say, I don't want them to learn new themes. I don't want them to pick up something different. I don't want them to, it's like, it's contagious. Uh, This might get into their head. And my answer to that is, yes, you're right. They might get a new idea. Their OCD might get a new idea and say, oh, I didn't know I could tap. That sounds good. I'm going to do that too. But if the child's OCD glums onto that, It would glum onto that anyway. Something could pop up in their world and it could create that theme. OCD is OCD and kids can have multiple themes, many themes, and they will. It's whack-a-mole, right? That's why we teach them the, the general skills of how to approach anxiety or OCD so that they can replace whatever current theme they have for the next theme. We'll talk about that next week as far as not getting stuck on themes, but how you can use themes for your benefit. So there's, there's a two parter on that one. So educating yourself is important and not being afraid to have them read those books. That's my opinion. Yes, your child could get a new theme and you might get angry at the book, but honestly, it's not the book's fault. I much rather have my child like well-educated on all themes and OCD in general and not walk on eggshells around OCD. I would want to normalize it, educate them because when you do, I've had so many kids in my practice spot OCD themes before I did, because they'll say, oh, and by the way, I think I have symmetry OCD, or by the way, I think I have, and they'll know a new theme that had nothing to do with the way that they were presenting before. And the earlier you can get those weeds out, you know, I always equate it to a weed, the better the long-term prognosis. So spotting new themes is important. 
The other thing, I have a list, so I'm going to just go through it, is putting out fires. OCD and anxiety don't just show up for the 55-minute session once a week that your child is in therapy. How many hours are you with your child versus the 55 minutes? And even the best therapist doesn't want you to depend on that 55 minutes to sustain them for the rest of those times. You have to put out fires. If your child is stuck on a loop, who's dealing with that? You are, right? And your child. If your child's having a panic attack, who's dealing with that? You are. If your child needs to be picked up from school because they're imploding or exploding, who's getting the phone call? Not the therapist. You are. So we don't want to have such a codependent relationship with a therapist that when those things happen, we just have the therapist on speed dial. A good therapist won't allow that because they set healthy boundaries. But besides that, it's important for you to know how to put out your own fires, right? Uh, I have a fire extinguisher under my kitchen sink. And so if I have a small fire, I'm not going to call the fire department and wait until my whole house is burnt down. I'm going to reach for that small fire extinguisher. I'm going to put out the fire because that's more important. I want to be prepared and available. It's the same thing with anxiety and OCD. You're going to be putting out small fires all the time. Do you have a fire extinguisher? Do you know what to do? And it's great to get that information from the therapist, but don't be afraid to also expand your knowledge because you're talking about one perspective and one approach, but the more you know, the more tools will be in your toolbox. And so you might have other approaches too that you're learning that can be helpful for you. Okay, another point is that you are going to be a coach. So even if there's not a fire, you are the cheerleader. You are the one that is setting up a behavior modification system at your house. I always talk about creating a therapeutic home environment, that that is key. And regardless of whether your therapist talks about creating a therapeutic home environment or not, most of them probably wouldn't. It is still your responsibility to do that. So what does that look like? Well, it looks like you have language of how to talk about anxiety and OCD at home. You have a behavior modification system. That is key, regardless of whether you are gung-ho about incentives or not. To get our kids to do brave things and do challenges and walk towards their fears and expose themselves to things that their OCD says, do not do that. They're going to need reinforcers. They need points that earn prizes. They need a behavior modification system. I do talk a lot about that in my online class, but that's really important. And you're going to want to also know how to motivate your child. And so they may not be ready to work on anxiety and OCD. So you might just be motivating them to watch a YouTube video on it or read a book about it, or even just to talk to you once in a while about it. You just start with motivation, trust, and rapport. Okay. Some other weird things that you may not have thought about is how are you going to handle those relatives and friends? Oh, you know what I'm talking about, right? You know, that well-intentioned relative who wants to tell you how to raise your child, tell you that you're coddling them, but you don't know how to discipline. Maybe if you could just discipline them a little bit more, they would not have the anxiety and OCD. That is a genetic uh, disorder. <laughs> it's very, very frustrating. Or you have that friend who wants to talk to you about what to do, or you have those people that trigger your kids and you don't know how to handle them or handle uh, how to approach them. Or maybe you feel really isolated and alone. So. Learning how to handle those situations is really important because it will drain you pretty fast. And it also can make your child's anxiety or OCD worse or make you feel like a bad parent because they don't understand that you're doing an exposure, you know, and they don't know what an exposure is 
or you are helping your child face their fears and you're not being mean, you're empowering your child. And so you might have people who don't understand that. The next point is that I know I'm running through these because I want to do my whole list. I only have two more. The next point is that you are like, you're the team captain. (laughs) I know that sounds really stupid, but you are the team captain of your child. And so only you typically are coordinating care for your child. So you might have a school counselor, you might have a psychiatrist or a psychiatric nurse practitioner, then you've got the therapist, right? You are the, you are coordinating all that or the school administration. You are the, the common denominator in all of those elements. And so you are the team captain and you have to understand what the left hand is doing to communicate that to the right hand. And so you have to have your own knowledge base. You have to be able to you know, advocate for your child to the psychiatrist, whether, you know, you feel like they're improving or they're not improving. The, the therapist might think that the medication needs to be bumped up and the psychiatrist might think that the therapist needs to, you know, do a better approach or see them more often. And you're the one in the middle having to deal with that and coordinate. The school might be having a problem. They may not understand your child. You might have to get a 504 plan if you live in the United States to set up accommodations for your child. And the school might say, what kind of accommodations do you want? And then you're like, oh, shoot, I didn't, I didn't really get that far. I was just hoping to get one. Now I got to go back to the therapist and say, what would you recommend? Or maybe to the psychiatrist and say, what would you recommend? And so you're the team captain. That could be a lot. And so um, getting your own support is my final point, because all of what I just said can feel like a lot. You might be exhausted and be like, oh my gosh, Natasha, Debbie Downer, this has been a rough podcast but it doesn't have to be. You just have to, you have to know where to start. And I think that sometimes we don't know where to start. And so we feel exhausted. We feel like we don't have a plan and you just have to pick one thing and say, this is my plan. This is what I'm going to focus on, you know, dealing with the, my grief and the death of my husband. Sometimes I get overwhelmed. And I think I talked about this in a couple of episodes. I get overwhelmed when I think farther out more, more so than ever. I can actually hyperventilate when I think too far out because I think, oh my gosh, I can't handle that. And so I focus on just today. And that's become my new mantra in the last like three days. I just say to myself, just today, I'm going to worry just about today. I'm going to just do what I need to do just for today. You know, I'm only going to just live what I need to live just for today. I'm just taking today, right? And we only have our todays. And it's the same thing when you're raising a child with anxiety or OCD. What are you just going to do today? So you don't have to get overwhelmed this huge list. It's just knowing these things, knowing where you want to go and then saying, where do I start? And you're going to just start with one thing. Where do you want to get support? Where do you think you need to go? Do you need to get education? Do you feel like you don't understand enough about anxiety and OCD? So is your focus right now just on education? Let me learn. Let me get a book. Let me take a class. Let me just learn about anxiety and OCD in a more thorough sort of way. Or do you already understand that? And then is your next step, I need to really get my child understanding citing OCD. So maybe I need to get them a book or maybe I need to talk to them, make them watch them YouTube videos or get them connected to a support group. Like maybe that's my next step. Or are you already doing that? And so maybe you're like, I just need a plan. Like I need a home plan. How am I going to set up challenges or exposures at home? I want to do that. I want to be part of the solution, not part of the problem. Maybe you are over accommodating and you're like, I don't know how to pull that back. And so maybe you look into the space program, which talks about accommodation. So just find your entry point of where you need to go and just pick one goal. This is my goal. I'm going to do this one thing. And 
that is going to help me do all the things that Natasha just talked about. Just one bite at a time. There's an expression. I don't like it because it kind of grosses me out, but the grief counselor talked about it. Like, how do you get through grief? And I think you can use this for anything. How do you get through anything is, um, how do you, so the expression is, how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? I don't like it. Cause that's gross. I don't want to eat an elephant. <laughs> so the image isn't working for me. How do you eat a huge cake? One bite at a time. How do you eat the whole cake? One bite at a time. I think I like that better than the elephant, but the point I get, and it's the same thing with this, just one bite at a time. So pick your bite. And as always, I can help guide you. My podcast can help guide you. I do have an AT parenting community that can guide you. And if you haven't heard of my AT parenting community, I don't always talk about it, but it's a membership community and you join and you'll get all of those things and you can just pick one goal and then you can work on that. So in the AT parenting community, members do get access to my anxiety or OCD class for free. It's $127 class. And, um, you can just, you can just purchase my class at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. And that is kind of a DIY for how to help your child with anxiety or OCD. And I made it because there are a lot of parents who don't have access to care, but also I have found that a lot of parents take it as a supplement to therapy and it covers everything that I'm talking about in this episode. Like they'll know how to do exposures. They'll know how they'll know what their role is. It really checks off a lot of those boxes I go through all the anxiety and OCD themes so that you won't miss the major ones. You'll be very well-educated. And so some people just want to take a class and it's like an on-demand class. They can watch the videos whenever they want. They have access to it forever. And so some people just want to take a class and you should, you should be educated. So that's an option. My anxiety and OCD classes are $127 and they're on atparentingsurvivalschool.com. Some parents want more than that. They feel really alone. They feel isolated. They want a place where they can just ask questions as they pop up. And so they get the class for free when they join the AD Parenting community as a member. And then they also get access to me. So we do weekly classes. Every week, people vote on a topic. They also get the whole library of classes that we've done in the past. So they have a search button. They can go onto the membership website, which is a logged in membership website that you get access to when you join. And You can search pretty much any topic and you're going to find in-depth Facebook live classes on it and videos on it. And so that you can get that help. And we also do support groups. And so once a month we have a parent support group and once a month we do a kid support group. And once a month we do a teen support group, you're not alone. You don't feel alone. And so if you are in South Africa or Australia, we have people from all over the world in that community. We have Canada, South Africa, I think India, UK. Israel, trying to think of everybody. Okay, I should just stop trying to think of the names of different places. We have people from all over the world, Mexico, and a lot, obviously, from the United States. And my point in saying that is really, no matter what time you're in, there's going to be somebody who will answer you in that Facebook. We have a private Facebook group, but it's not Facebook, it's one tiny, tiny component of the AT parenting community. It's just a bonus because people like Facebook, but on the actual membership website, there are forums. And so kind of like those old school bulletin boards and people can ask questions and I respond to every single one of them Monday through Friday, eight to 4 PM. Cause I'm trying to set boundaries now, but I help guide people, you know, not as a therapist, but as, you know, just a coach, even though I am a therapist to have that access to parents who are in the same boat as you and to, to therapists who, who get it clinically. 
that's an option as well. If you, if you need support, get support, whether it is joining the AT parenting community or whether it is joining a support group locally, or whether it is just tapping into your friends or taking an online course or reading a book, don't forget your support. And it may not even be related to anxiety and OCD. You might want support just on, you know, taking care of yourself and learning how to de-stress. You might want to get a therapist just to learn how to de-stress or a life coach just to learn how to focus on yourself, which is really important. I'm learning that I like, am really an egg right now. (laughs) It's a terrible analogy, but, and I keep telling my kids this because it's very scary when I crack suddenly I like, I look like I'm fine. And then all of a sudden I freak out and I'm trying to work on that, but I'm an egg right now. And so I look solid, but I'm like a complete liquid inside and I can get scrambled very easily. And I'm really impressed with that analogy because I think that worked really well. (laughs) It was a good close to my podcast. I'm like, yes, that was good. But I have been telling my kids, I'm an egg. I will crack really easily. So please just tread lightly with me, which I know puts a lot of pressure on them, but better than me cracking. And you might be an egg because you have a lot on your plate and you just need a place that can hold you gently and support you. And that's what the AT parenting community is. And I hope that you will consider joining because I only open the doors a few times a year. And this is one of those times, actually, this podcast will be coming out on Tuesday, May 18th, or maybe I'll have it come out on Monday, just to give you an extra day. So maybe it'll come out on Monday, May 17th. If I can have that happen, I will try. And I think that'll be okay. And it closes on Thursday, May 20th, 2021, in case you're watching this in the future. And I hope we're all okay in the future because who knows these days, but yeah, it closes and I don't make exceptions. And so once those doors are closed, it's closed. That's it. Because then I refocus all my attention on the members in the community. So it is $30 a month, which is less than a copay for a lot of people. It is cheaper than one dinner out and you get 24 hours, seven days support, not only from, um, there's almost, let's see how many people are in our community. There's about 700 parents in the community right now. Normally once we close, we'll get quite a lot more each time. So you're going to be surrounded by at least 700 friends who get you and get what you're going through. And you'll have friends on tap who have anxiety, who are raising kids with anxiety and OCD. So for $30 a month, less than one copay, less than one dinner out, that's pretty good value. Not to mention that you're getting a $127 class for free. I actually throw in, and I don't know why I did this. I was a little like over the top with my um, gifting when I first opened the membership. So I started this membership two years ago. So I opened it January of 2019. And I was like over the top with like, you know, remember when Oprah was like, and you get a car and you get a car and you get a car. (laughs) I felt like I kind of did that in my membership when I first started. And then I was like, what am I doing? I'm giving away all my classes for free for $30 a month. People are like, you need to stop doing that. But I already did it and I'm not one to like take things back. So not only do you get, you get to choose whether you want my anxiety or OCD online course, but I also gave you how to handle difficult behavior caused by anxiety and OCD. That's an $87 course. I just threw that in there. People get my mini moral OCD class, which is $27. I just threw that in there. Both my series are in there, my free series, but you can watch it all the time. And I also just started recording. Well, I didn't just start. I'm in the middle of it, uh, creating a space study guide course. So for those of you that know Ellie Leibowitz's space program, we talked about that before that helps you with accommodation. 
and your role as the parent in how to approach your kids, I created a study guide for that. And that will be a course that I'm actually going to put up in my online school. And there's 10 lessons in that. It walks you through every chapter of that book and flushes it out. I have different worksheets that I've created to really support the space approach. And I threw that into the membership as well. Um, I don't know why I did that because it's like a full course. Um, and that course will be probably $127, like all the rest of my courses, but it will be free inside the membership. So a lot of benefits, a lot of perks. So definitely check that out. The doors are closing on Thursday, May 20th, and you can go to atparentingcommunity.com to read everything that you'll get. I actually have a video on that website that is about 30 minutes long and it goes through all the benefits, but all the members talk about their experience in the community. And I think sometimes it's better to hear directly from parents than from hearing from the person that is running the community. (laughs) So I hope to see you over there. Doors close on Thursday, atparentingcommunity.com. If you're listening to this outside of that, or you're listening to this on Friday and you're like, oh, shoot, I wish I listened to our podcast earlier. You can get on the wait list. As soon as the doors close, I put a link for the wait list and people just get on that wait list. We normally have hundreds of people on the wait list before we open the doors again, because we won't open the doors again until I don't know, sometime in the fall is normally when we will reopen. So if you missed it, just get on the wait list. There is a wait list that's always available when the doors are closed. The doors are closed 99.9% of the time. And so, um, you know, you got to get on that wait list. So you get notified when that door opens, because I only open it for a four day period when I do open it. So I hope to see you over there and I hope that you find this episode helpful. I hope it gives you some ideas on, you know, your perspective, your role and things you can do at home. I think we really underestimate the impact we can have on our children. The biggest impact your child's anxiety or OCD will have will be with you. You are right there. You are the one coaching them in the middle of the night when they're having a hard time. You are the one picking them up from school when they can't handle it. You are the one in the best position to really help them, to motivate them. The only person who can help themselves is them. That is their job, but you are in the best position to guide them and coach them. And a lot of times we forget that or we don't believe in ourselves. So, or we're too exhausted and we're like, no way, I can't do it. And that's when we have to get some outside support, regardless of where you get that. So I hope you are enjoying the podcast. If you are, please don't forget to hit a star on iTunes, Google Play, wherever you consume your podcast. And if you have a few extra minutes and want to leave a review, you know, I love that. And I appreciate that to show my gratitude. I always like to end the show reading one of them. And I want to say thank you to uh, Chloe Luck, who wrote Grateful. I am so grateful for you, Natasha. You speak in a way that I can understand what my son is going through. It's been an eye opener since I discovered you. And now I can at least make more informed decisions as to his treatment options and the do's and don'ts of OCD. Thank you for making me a better mom, not only for my son, but for my other kids as well, because we are all in this together. I love that. And that's a perfect review, actually, for what I was talking about today. I did not plan that. But, you know, knowing how to make informed decisions and how the do's and don'ts of, of OCD in our home and that, yeah, it's a family affair and that you guys are all in it together. Thank you for leaving a review. I really appreciate it. And if you leave a review, maybe I'll be reading yours next time. So please don't forget to find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. 
Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com. 